Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 284. This week, we have No Step on Snake, Talking Sense on a Special Session, Deceasing Detainees, Will He Stay or Will He Go Now, Election Dysfunction, Brain Buffering, The Fun Police Strike Again, Georgia Gun Grabbers, and, and the number one they're the number one story of last week. I came to read what I wrote. <laughs> and a rocky flight. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my part of this endeavor, Representative Emeritus Ken Pullen. <laughs> it's probably because your Florida team. Aren't you a big Florida football fan, Dave? It's I am. probably because they got, played, uh, got demolished by the Utah last week. Yeah, that will happen. <laughs> I, I mean, the SEC is not supposed to get beat by whatever conference Utah's in. Mountain West or something. Mountain West. That's a bad showing. You fly all the way across the country and you get beat by a bunch of Mormons. Yeah. I, I think I can say that, can I? Yeah. There's <laughs> over there beating you with the Book of Mormon. They're great Mormon friends. Uh, so I didn't mean that and as a slight. they all have lots of kids. Yeah, I didn't mean that as a slight in any way. But yeah, so the Florida Gators flew out and got beat by Utah. Handily got beat. I, I didn't even know they were playing that night. I, uh, uh, that, that's one of the nights that that uh, the Braves were on the West Coast. Yes, the game started started like ten twenty. Hey, did I say Acuna is now a thirty home run, sixty RBI guy, or sixty stolen base guy? And that's never happened before in the history of baseball. Oh yeah, that is it's, amazing. It's, that uh, that that bat and ball. If they got the ball back. I, uh, I don't know if they did or not, but that that stuff's heading to Cooperstown. And when he did this, he got married on the same day. Now, I'm a little confused on why the Atlanta Braves would let Acuna just run off and get married in the middle of the week during his MVP season. But, hey, whatever's good for him, as long as he keeps it up, it's good with me. I mean, I mean he had to have the mornings off. You know, <laughs> a lot gets, of guys play golf. Who gets married on a Thursday in L.A.? I thought that was kind of strange. I thought the, I thought the timing was strange also. And they already have two kids together. Yes, I saw that beautiful family. So, uh, so, but but it was it wasn't a shotgun wedding. No, it wasn't. Not at all. Unless she's unless they're planning on doing it this year, and she's worried that she's about to show. Who, who knows? <laughs> I don't care. Just keep hitting dingers and stealing bases. And I assume as this episode drops on Monday, Georgia will have destroyed their opponent, probably sixty three to nothing. And I'm going to make a. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Georgia Tech probably got beat by Louisville. That's my prediction. Even though we're filming or we're recording this early, uh, Georgia Tech's probably going to be another pitiful have another pitiful football season. You could have gotten in the building for twenty five dollars, <laughs> and they're not even. They don't even have a three hundred section open in a Georgia dome. That's how pathetic these two teams are and their fan bases. Yeah, I mean, look, I. It, most fans would rather uh, go to a high school game and watch better football than, than sit around and watch Louisville, Georgia Tech. Man, especially on a Friday night. you got a lot of high school football games. The weather is going to be cool on that Friday night. So, yeah, I'd much rather do something else than see, go to downtown Atlanta on a Friday night and see Georgia Tech play Louisville. Exactly. <laughs> 
So Colorado school attempts to kick out a 12-year-old boy. Why? <laughs> yeah, this is a big story last for the last two weeks. Yeah, this story went viral. I mean, all of a sudden, I pull up Twitter one day, and everybody is sharing this video. So this 12-year-old student, he was at a school out in Colorado. He had, he had a pretty large-sized book bag, and he has all these stickers on the back of his book bag or these patches on the back of his book bag. One of them had the Don't Tread on Me flag. And school administration called his mom in, sits the kid down, and the mom is recording one of the school officials explain to them that the Gaston flag was associated with slavery and racism. You mean when we flew the flag and kicked out the people who brought slavery <laughs> into this country? Yes, right. Yeah, I mean, you could see the kid sitting there knowing. Obviously, this is a smart little 12-year-old. He's sitting there with sort of a smirk on his face the entire time because he knows this is going to go his way at the end of the day. But yeah, this this lady is sitting there going, the gas and fly associated with slavery, racism, and he was going to take it off. Literally, as soon as this went out there and got viral, the governor of Colorado came out and said, no, they've made a bad And he's a Democrat governor, Jared Paulus. Uh, he defended the Don't Tread on Me flag. He said he had every right to wear that flag on his backpack. Um, but this little kid is all over. I think he's on, seems like he's on a Hannity show or he, he's been on TV making his rounds. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting story. But this real this school administration really stepped into it on this. Yeah, they did. Why don't you let the kid do whatever whatever he's doing? Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't bothering anybody, but a couple school officials. As soon as him and his mom left the school, I don't know if you saw this photo, but they walked out in the parking lot and they looked at the back of one of the teacher's cars. And one of the teacher's cars had all these, uh, you know, liberal slogans on the back of it, socialist type stuff on the back. And obviously they were making fun of her saying, yeah, yeah, this car is okay to park in our school system, but I can't wear a flag that really talked about, you know, revolutionary war and not slavery. So yeah, this couldn't have went any worse for the school officials. I also heard that, that uh, he's getting pats on the back from his fellow students for 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 one winning an appeal <laughs> and he's getting glares from his teachers. This is, oh, he's I in bet. middle school. So yeah, but yeah he's getting, getting the evil eye from his teachers, which I, I guess to a certain, to a certain extent he's enjoying uh, but I'm sure there's there's a there's there's also a level of harassment if if he gets a B instead of an A in something. Yeah, right. Especially a, 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 you, something that that is non quantitative, like you know, creative writing or something like that. <laughs> Look, if you take a math test, it's not like they can tell you that, that you're wrong. Yep. I mean, the the math is right there. But if if you if you're writing history papers or or creative writing class something like that, they can they can mess with you. Great. Yeah, this is in Colorado Springs where the Air Force Academy is. Colorado Springs, I thought was more of a uh, you know conservative. I know Colorado's got a Democrat governor, but it, Colorado Springs, I thought was more conservative leaning or Republican. It does it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> these these teachers aren't elected. That is true. That is true. I think most teachers are are probably liberal in nature anyway. And we've talked about that on the show a lot where Governor Kemp continues to give out uh, raises to teachers thinking for some reason they're going to all of a sudden start voting Republican. And that's, that's just typically not the case. Right. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's, 
it's it's not that all teachers are, are liberal or conservative. A lot of them are apolitical completely. Yep. Especially teachers for your little kids. Now, obviously, you have the teachers out there that want to read books about you know a boy who becomes a girl, but most of them they just want to they just want to <laughs> teach kids to read. Yeah, they just want to do their job. Totally. I mean, look, if you get a kid who who needs to learn, you don't care if he's reading Mein Kampf. <laughs> look, he's reading. Yes. And in a second language. <laughs> I agree so with there's you. no special session coming. No, what a story this uh, this really blew up last week. So, State Senator Colton Moore, if uh, if people remember when Trump was arrested down at the Fulton County Jail, he showed up there along with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Colton has since been sort of a leading proponent of the governor calling a special session. And this is really, it kind of took a life of its own. Uh, Colton, President Trump tweeted about Colton, you know, State Senator Colton Moore. It's been all over the news, blew up nationally. And I think what happened, if I'm just reading into this, is the representatives, the governor, other senators in Georgia started getting a ton of probably nasty emails, calls to their offices, walking down the street, grocery store, people are probably saying, why are you guys not calling a special session to investigate Fonnie Willis? Because that's what Colton wanted the governor to do. Look, I agree with Governor Kemp on this. I, I don't think he has the authority to call a special session here. I don't think there's anything they could do if they called it. They don't have the votes to do anything. What was unusual about this is Governor Kemp came out and did a press conference and really smacked around. So, so you had Governor Kemp come out, uh, Speaker of the House John Burns, and Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, along with other leaders at the Capitol. They all came out and really just smacked Colton around on this and, and uh, said he was just doing this for himself. He was just doing it to raise money. I haven't seen a coordinated response to sort of slap around a, a elected official like this in a long time. Well, he put everybody else up there on the spot. He called out the governor. He called out all of his his, uh, his fellow senators and everyone in the house. He did. It's going to be a lonely uh, a lonely capital for him next year, or when they go back in in January, because he did not make any friends. I mean. Made zero friends doing this. I don't think he had, but I saw Charlize Bird, who was in the House Freedom Caucus in Georgia. I think she defended him, but I saw nobody else in the state defend him from an elected position. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have your nutcases on the wings that they're gonna say, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that. That's not how that's that's not how it works. You can't can't just not like who she decided to indict when she went through the legal process to do it. Yep. You you, you just can't. Yes, I agree. And you know what, uh, what Governor Kemp said is he what he said what Senator Moore is asking for is not practical. Calling individual members out by name becomes a distraction. What we should be talking about, and that is a gross misuse of power, uh, resources, and responsibility from the Fulton County DA. That's actually what Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones said. So he actually called Colton out uh, by his name, and he said, "I will continue staying focused on fixing the mess that she created in, with crime in Atlanta." and helping Republicans win in 2024. So, um, yeah, it's got to be lonely up in northwest Georgia with Colton over the weekend because everybody is a coordinated attack against him. Now, Dave, I imagine the people up in his district love it. I think the people in my district love it. I've had people ask me in the grocery store this week, why is Governor Kemp not calling a special session? 
I get it. Uh, but every time you don't like something, you don't, you can't call a special session every time, you know, the conservative base, Republican base doesn't like what's going on. And the fact is it wouldn't stop the prosecution. No, not at all. No, the prosecution was going on. Uh, and look, he wanted to defund the office. That's what Colton was calling for is to defund the, or the district attorney's office. They only get about 10% of their funds from the state. 90% comes from local. So that didn't make a lot of sense to, to call for defunding, uh, her office. Look, there's ways to go about this. They passed that new legislation last year. I don't think that would apply in this case, but there's other ways to go about this. This just uh, this just took on a life of its own. And look, I know, I know, representatives are getting called left and right on this. Uh, yeah, it probably was not a fun week for most of them. No, and it's it. it it sounds great to, to everybody who doesn't who doesn't know how impeachments work. <laughs> right, how, right. I mean, totally it, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, call a special uh, session, right? Get them all back into Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, call everybody back into Atlanta during an election cycle. Yep. And the cost of that is a lot. You're having to start paying representatives whatever their rate is for every day they're in session. So it's it's not a cheap thing to do either. And there has to be an investigation. You can't you can't just vote on impeachment. No, you can't. You have to you have to start an investigation. So you, you appoint a, a lead investigator. That person puts together a team. Even then, we wouldn't have details until at least mid session twenty four. Yep. If that early. Oh, I agree. I agree. So more inmates croak over Fulton County Jail. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this kind of piggybacks off the last story, which I think is something they ought to be concentrating on. I mean, this we've, we've talked about this quite a few times on the show, but one detainee was killed last week, and two others were injured following multiple stabbings at the Fulton County's, uh, they call it the Rice Street Jail because it's on Rice Street, uh, but more inmates at this point, and these are, They've, I, I didn't get the details of the, the, the detainee that died, uh, but I assume these are prior to conviction people that are at the jail. Uh, I don't know that or, for certain. But, or they're serving less than one year. Yeah, or they're serving less than one year, right? So these are not inmates that have life sentences. Uh, more life Yeah, this is not Smith State Prison. Yes, this is just people that were detained for some type of crime. They go into Rush well, Street now. They get stabbed. Fa- and die. Fan- Fanny backing on this, um, on the previous story, is the the almost exclusive obsession with going after Trump mm-hmm. has caused a backlog. Yes, right. So some of these guys should be down in Smith. Actually, nobody should be, should be in Smith State. <laughs> no, but, I don't think so. Uh, a lot of a lot of these guys, I'm sure, should be in prison, and they are looking at life sentences. Yep. They've probably been there two or three years waiting for trial. Yep, exactly. So you've got people that have not been convicted of anything sitting in one of the most dangerous jails in Georgia, if probably in the United States, and all this stuff happens. And and look, we talked about it earlier. If if individuals like this, and I, I think the individual died was, uh, was a, a black man. If a black man gets stabbed to death in the Pike County Jail where I live, which is a 90% probably white County Republican leaning County Al Sharpton would be protesting in Pike County like yesterday about this. How did this happen? How did this occur that we had a black man killed in a jail run by a white sheriff? Uh, 
but this stuff oh, happens what, every single day. What about I mean, the, die, the guy that died being roach bit? Yes, exactly. Where's the outrage from Al Sharpton and all the race baiting cronies that he hangs out with when people are dying left and right in the Fulton County Jail? Not a whisper happens. It's the same thing that happens every. I mean, but where this will be aired you know, after Labor Day. But if you look at Chicago over the Labor Day weekend, there'll be fifty plus people killed in Chicago over the weekend, and there won't be a whisper from these people. Uh, it's it's just amazing that the out the selective outrage from the race baiters in the United States right now when things happen. I mean, where's Stacey Abrams speaking up about this? Where are the Democrat leaders in Georgia speaking up about this? Nobody, I mean, you can't hear a whisper from them. I mean, they're like a mouse in church right now. You can't, I mean, nobody's speaking up about this except me and you on some random podcast that, that gets released on Monday. I just don't understand the selective outrage. I don't say 284 <laughs> is random. No, no, you're right. <laughs> but no, you're right. There's, there's, there's nobody out front. There's, uh, I mean, where's, hell, where's Newsmax on this? Where's, where's Fox News on this? I don't where's, know. Where, where are the conservative outlets? Yeah, and look, Fannie Willis did issue a statement. She said, we should have built a new jail 15 years ago. She said, people deserve to be housed humanely, even when they've been accused of crimes. So she said, accused of crimes. Look, if it wasn't for her prosecuting and going after President Trump, she could be getting these people through the system, like you said, a lot faster, and they wouldn't be sitting in Rice Street Jail being accused of a crime. Not convicted of a crime, but accused of a crime. So that's what I found kind of weird about her statement is it said people deserve to be housed humanely even when they've been accused. Uh, just total garbage, right? Just total garbage. Yeah, well, and most likely that that's those are the inmates that she deals with, her office deals with. The the ones that, that are in there for less than a year, that's from the solicitor's office. So I, I but she's right. I mean, look, even even convicted of crime, you you have the constitutional right to be handled humanely. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean the the I, I sure as hell would not want to be want to be in the Rice Street Jail. Yep. And I, I didn't say this, but between two thousand to put this in perspective, between two thousand nine and October twenty twenty two, thirteen years, more than sixty Fulton detainees have died. And that's the highest total for any jail in Georgia during that time. And then eight inmates have died in custody at the Sheriff's County office since the start of this year. So we have eight inmates that have died in custody just this year. Well, you do have to, you do have to look at the 60 when you say, say it's the, it's the most in Georgia. Well, it's the biggest jail in Georgia. Yes. Right. So you have to, you'd have to look at the numbers per capita, uh, also, you could use numbers to tell any story you want, just depending on which side of the, the equation you put it on. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But I have no doubt that they need a new jail. The population of Atlanta has exploded. It has. They said a new uh, jail is going to cost $1.7 billion is what they have estimated as cost at. How many hundred, how many hundred million dollars do you think it costs to prosecute Trump? Yeah, it's going to be very expensive. With all the security so, they have, I mean, I can't imagine what the trial's going to cost. So I think I think they could at least put a decent down payment on the property with with what they're going to use to, to uh, prosecute Trump. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, will you even be able to vote for him? <laughs> what an interesting story that came out this week. So, uh, you know, we've been watching, and there are some 
uh, liberal groups out there, nonprofits, which I'm not sure why liberals want to keep Trump off the ballot. I, I think Trump's going to have a hard time beating Biden. But anyway, background on stories, there are states out there in the U.S. right now that are, are trying to use the 14th Amendment uh, to to build a case where they can keep Donald Trump off the ballot next year. So either kept off the Republican primary ballot or off the general election ballot in November. I don't know what well, you, yeah, I don't know what you think about that, but that's uh, that could well, create a constitutional the, the, crisis in a second. Well, that's what I think the, the plan is. Mm-hmm. Is you have to is you have to to start your bowling ball all the way at the at the uh, uh, player's end and then roll it towards the pins. Yep. So so with this knowing that it may take a year for this to make its way through the courts, that allows them to cut the Republican nominee off at the knees before ever getting into early voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they say that they say the Fourteenth Amendment bars. From office, anyone who took an oath to uphold the Constitution, but then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against it. So that's how they're basing this. We need to keep them off the ballot. As they're saying, Trump engaged in insurrection or rebellion, which is against the 14th Amendment. So we can use the Constitution as our as our way to keep them off. It's an interesting argument. It, it doesn't hold water because there was no insurrection. I don't either, but I think they're trying to get this thing to the Supreme Court to make a decision. Now, I think we know what the, I think we know how the Supreme Court would rule, but that's sort of the point I think from the liberal organizations right now is this: if this does make it to the Supreme Court, they're just able to say once again, "Look how corrupt the Supreme Court is." You know, they're once again sticking up for Republicans, conservatives, and it just undermines the legitimacy of the court again. And I, I honestly, I think that's what they're trying to do here. It's just add another case where they get ruled against, and then they can undermine the Supreme Court. Look, if 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 somehow he got convicted of of uh, uh, of open rebellion of sedition, okay, now you now you have a case, right? And to this point, he's he's been accused, yep. And I don't think you can point to any of his actions were or any of the things that he said was like go get him. No, I don't think you can either. No, do I? Is his speech? Does his is his speech brash? Does it is does it get idiots riled up? Yes. <laughs> is that illegal? No. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Now, what I what I found interesting too is the primary season. I didn't realize it kicked off so early, but the Iowa caucuses are January fifteenth of next year. I didn't realize we had a caucus as soon as the new year came around. I thought they were still. Yo. March, April. Bill Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Yeah, I thought they were All March, right. April. So it's January 15th. And I guess Georgia's I, caucuses or Georgia's presidential primaries in March, I think is the date. Yeah. That's yeah, so everything. So six here's, months off. It was, it was late 90s, early 2000s. There was this competition between the states to get first. Mm-hmm. So you have the, the, the Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Uh, which was traditionally first, as states jockeyed their position to, and this may have started during the, uh, after the 2000 election, uh, when so, so many of the some of the competitors were out before before states got, got a chance to vote, right? And that's that's when uh, Bush was running. So all these states jockeyed position to get earlier and earlier and earlier to the point where it's almost a, it's it's 
the, 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 the caucuses are 11 months, 10, 10 months before, before the damn election. I know. I think it's way too soon. But yeah, I, so I was January 15th. There'll be, I guess, South Carolina moved up, where South Carolina is really early in the year now. And that was to help Biden's ability, if I remember correctly. I guess New Hampshire's early, and then Georgia again is in March. So I feel like we used to have Super Tuesday later in the year, but that's really been pulled up to March, April now. So we'll know who the Republican nominee is in no more than five, six months which I think is President Trump. Now, I am hearing that Nikki Haley is having a lot of, uh, she's gaining a lot of momentum in Iowa. So I don't think Iowa, whoever wins that is, uh, yeah, I don't think it's my else speech Trump in Iowa. That's an indicator that he's going down. But it would be interesting if she wins uh, the Iowa caucuses on January 15th. Yeah, then she, I mean, then, then it's into New Hampshire, I believe, and uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 I <laughs> the, the, what, once, once, once the caucus uh, kick off, national polls are pointless. Might as well take them, and throw them away. At that point, it's a state by state poll. Yeah, so the South Carolina caucus is in early February. I just looked it up, so it'll be right after the uh, January fifteenth. And if everybody doesn't know the difference between a caucus and a primary, like we have, a caucus is literally a group of people that go down to the, and I was real small anyway, but they go down to the local gymnasium. You uh, divide up and they'll say, if you support president Trump, we need you to walk over to the right side of the auditorium. If you support uh, governor DeSantis, we need you to go to the left side of the auditorium. And they do that for every one of the candidates on the ballot at that point. And that's how they caucus. And whoever has the most number of people that actually show up at the caucus is who wins. So, I, look, I'm a big fan of caucuses. I really like them. It, it, it's a very limited number of people that show up. And think of what Iowa is like on January 15th. That's one of the coldest places in the U.S. So if you're showing up on January 15th in Iowa, you're a hardcore, uh, somebody that really keeps track of politics. I mean, this is not just some random you know, Bob sitting around on his couch eating Cheetos. This is people that really have been keeping in touch with it, you know, keeping up with what's going on. Well, the 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 Hawkeyes love it because they get a ton of attention. They're a small state. Yep. Once the once the caucuses are done, that's it. And you know who the caucus they, people are before the caucus occurs most of the time. So it's it's sort of like the Republican state convention where you have to, you know, they know ahead of time. So that candidates are pretty much shaking every caucus person's hand. Before that event, <laughs> it's, it's really ground root or ground, uh, you know, it's like grassroots politicking. Uh, you shake right. everybody's every person's hand and they know who the candidates are. Go and eat a corn dog at, at the fair and all that crap. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to that fair. <laughs> Run for president. Maybe next year. So Ukrainian elections are due up in 2024, but only if the U.S. pays for them. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. So uh, for some reason, Lindsey Graham was in Ukraine again, and he was asking about the elections next year and were they going to have elections. And uh, President Zelensky responded to the calls by the senator uh, to announce his election plans in 2024, and he said, hey, if you foot the bill, we'll potentially have elections 
if we can make sure they're secure and we can get enough people out to vote. Uh, so basically, we'll we'll have some elections here in Ukraine, but you gotta you gotta foot the bill for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I do understand some of what he's saying. He's, I guess he's being a little facetious. Is our our people are being shelled? Yes. How do you have an election when the country's in in wartime? I got you. And, and maybe I should have to change the law because right now they're under martial law, uh, and it's extended every ninety days. It's set to expire November fifteenth, and so they would have to change their law to have it. And and literally, how do you get out to vote if you're in wartime? But Honestly, if people won't change in Ukraine and they don't like Zelensky, how do they get the guy out of office? I mean, does he just automatically get to be president until this war ends? I mean, it could drag on for 10 more years, potentially. So I still think there's got to be a way to, to have secure elections, even during wartime. Well, I mean, but how do you knock on doors when there are no doors? I don't know, but you don't. I mean... The other side of it is that you just get to keep your power forever until the war ends. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know the best also, answer to this. Uh, I really don't. Who, you know, we focus on Zelensky, but it's all the way down the ballot. Yes, it's all the way down the ballot. So it's, it's uh, state level politicians, local politicians. Yeah, I, I mean, there could be people that disagree with his approach to the war that need their voice heard. And I mean, who knows? I, I guess I, you don't get to do that during wartime. I think it's tough. I mean, this is a this is not something I've thought about much in the past. Is how do you have elections during wartime? But I think elections during wartime potentially are just as important or more important than normal elections. Yeah, I, I just don't know. In a place like Ukraine, I don't know how you make that happen. Yep, I agree. Like you know, it's, yeah, it's obviously easy for the United States because because our our wars are elsewhere. Yeah, but logistically, how do you make it happen? Yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. I mean the the it's the down the ballot that it's obviously you could you could hold an election for for president pretty easily. Yep. Is is you you'd go with the pur- purple finger, and everybody drops the ballot in the box and do it just just like just like uh, Iraq did in the early two thousands. Yep. But to, when you start talking about down the ballot and and electing you know city officials, the city may not even be there anymore. Yep. Right. He said he, he said so, he said the election costs one hundred thirty five million dollars in peacetime. You got to figure it costs a little bit more in wartime. So, you know, he's asking for somewhere around two hundred fifty million probably for the elections. I, hey, look, we've given him over a hundred billion dollars. It's kind of silly to ask us for a hundred million plus to to have elections. You either gonna have them or not at this point. Right. <laughs> so McConnell's brain goes into buffering mode again. Oh, how sad was this this week again? I mean, it's become really hard to watch. He was up in Kentucky having a press conference uh, in his home state. They asked him if he was going to run again in 2024. McConnell's up. And he just looks at the audience and froze. Uh, He froze. Dave, I think it was. I mean, it was awkward. It was at least 30 seconds. And then his aide steps in and asks if he heard a question. He still didn't say anything. And then. Another, I guess, his security team came out. I think and, he said, "I think, I think he said yes." Yeah, he finally said something. Uh, yeah, I think he said yes. So the, then they said, uh, uh, "We'll need just a moment." So, uh, so I assume the the aide went over there, press Control Alt Delete, and <laughs> reset the program and sent him back out there. So you're saying he's a Microsoft and not an Apple? 
I got yeah, you. Exactly, especially if it's freezing windows like that. Yes. You know, this. Ah, oh, man. I, I know. It, it's, you know, McConnell needs to go. He does. He, he, he does. But it brings up the debate he, on term. So this brought up the debate on term limits again. Everybody's saying, or, or an upper age, I think, is what the debate is now, right? Should people be able to serve past a certain age? The, the, the problem with that question is that age is always moving. It is. I don't believe there should be an upper age to when somebody could serve. And I used to be a big term limits guy. I'm, look, I think voters have the ability to term limit a representative at any point. I think it's hard, but they can. So I'm not even sure I support term limits at this point. Uh, but the people of Kentucky, if they don't want McConnell again, 2024 is coming around the corner. Get another Republican to run against them. Get a Democrat to run against them, and if you've got enough votes, you can win. I, I can't imagine McConnell. Well, ideologically, I, I appreciate that, but McConnell also sits on tons of money. There's no telling what his especially, war chest is. Yeah, especially as the minority leader. Yep. Is uh, is how do you get in a fist fight with this guy? If you're if you're on the Republican side, and obviously if you're Democrat, you yeah you know, the, the the entire DNC to pour money into a Democrat to run against him. But how do you? How do you even how run do you a campaign run against McConnell? Yeah, how do you even as, run a as campaign? An incumbent? Yeah, and how do you run a campaign against someone that does look like their health is going downhill, and that is really what you're running against? But you don't want to point that out. You don't want to look insensitive to someone's health, right? I mean, it it would be tough running against McConnell, uh, just because I don't know how you run that campaign. And and by the way, he's been a great Senate Republican Senate leader. Uh, we we talked about this a while back, but I mean, he got all of Trump's nominations through through uh, to to SCOTUS. I mean, McConnell, I think, will go down in history as one of the best Republican leaders ever in the Senate. So, if he doesn't damage his legacy, if he doesn't damage legacy, and, and look, people say, why don't he retire? The reason he's not stepping back now is the governor of Kentucky is a Democrat, and if McConnell steps down now, the Democrat governor would appoint his replacement until the next election come around. And so that's why he's not stepping down. It's the same reason why what's her name's not stepping down in California. She don't like who the governor of California would appoint to her successor. So it's it's not just McConnell not wanting to step down. There are political ramifications of him not stepping down or stepping down. Right. I mean, last thing we need is another Democrat senator in, in Congress at the moment. Yeah, and you know, with with Senate being six years, it's tough. It is right because you know when he, when he ran for re-election last time he was he was what seventy five yeah he was seventy five last time he's eighty one now or, or, no was it, well he's, he's yeah he's eighty now yeah, he's eighty one now yeah so he was seventy five last time last time it came around and he probably felt great at seventy five yep but a, in in that six years he's he's physically deteriorated which has caused a mental decline you know getting getting a concussion is no joke. Yep. But it is, but it is September, right? And the primaries are next May. You know, if he's not going to run for office again, he needs to let people in Kentucky know so they can get ready to run because it would be a free-for-all primary. Unless he has somebody in his hip pocket. Yes. And who says, just, just, just get ready, get ready to declare. And that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Hardly anybody just leaves office with no successor in mind. Right. So I, but I, I, 
I feel for him because he has had a distinguished career. I feel for Diane Feinstein too because she's had a distinguished career. She's wrong on most issues, but you know she she was a shining star in 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 the Senate. You know, and a leader in Congress as a woman. Yeah, I mean, you have to respect what she's done. As uh, yeah, exactly. And this goes back to the seventies when we were still you know in the in the equal rights movement. Yep. And uh, for her to stand up like that and, and be up there for so long is, is, is uh, you know, obviously impressive. But at this point, you know, at 90, at 90 or 91 years old, she you're being being wheeled from place to place. She's in, she's almost an empty vessel. Yeah, she is. But the nice thing is no one tells her how many naps she can have. <laughs> All right. So New York City is putting out the fun police and now they're airborne. <laughs> they are. So. I hope nobody parties too hard on Labor Day in New York. They have come up with a plan uh, to fly drones over large gatherings, including private events, over Labor Day weekend. So basically they said if we get a call from someone that says, uh, you know, there's a party going on, there's too much noise or something going on, the NYPD commissioner said they will actually utilize their drone assets to go up and go check on the party, which is raising huge privacy concerns up in New York because uh, normally, you know, police have to have warrants and all that kind of good stuff to go check on what people are doing. And they're just going to fly these drones right overhead and see what's going on in the backyard. Yeah, there's, there's a couple things on this. One is people are concerned are, are concerned over privacy. You have no privacy outdoors. Yep. Uh, that is a it's a change in surveillance tactics. I I don't know that it is because they've been using helicopters for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could fly the helicopter cameras. over. Yep, and look straight down. That's true. And, and with a FLIR camera, they can see right in your house. So uh, they in the old days they could find grow houses that way. Nowadays <laughs> everything I believe is with is LEDs don't put off heat. Now what happens if they fly one of these drones over your house and shoot it down or you throw a rock up and hit it? I would imagine you're going to be in a lot of trouble at that point. Yeah, damage government property. Yep. And even in well, the county, where, yeah, even in the county where I live, I was going to say our sheriff's told me before that. You know, if something they they can fly drones onto people's property if they suspect. Or if there's some type of complaint, or they think something's going on there, or they're looking for marijuana, you know, that's growing. So you know, it's not just New York, but local counties are also really ramping up the, their drone usage and flying them out to monitor different activities and stuff. Look, there, you have you have no expectation of privacy outside. Yeah, you know, that's that's just that's just the way it is. If you know, if there's there's never been a a definitive line of where your property ends vertically. This came up over over um, airports years and years ago, where people complaining about uh, jets flying over their houses for no really it was a noise complaint, but it was that they're they're trespassing. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. And that that was that was thrown out, but there's there's never been a definitive line that. Okay, you own 50 feet of the tallest part of your structure. So nothing vertically own, has ever come out where they define that said you owe 50 right. vertical feet from your now, property lines. The other way it has, especially out west with mineral rights and yes, things like right, that, right. where you you could own you could own the the topsoil, 
but the minerals below, uh, someone else has the rights to. Yep. That was that was, that was the the plot of every Rockford Rockford Files in the seventies. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not saying it's right. I think I think it's petty. I think it takes a takes a lot of uh, uh, manpower. Even with 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 uh, pilotless drones, you still have someone controlling it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of manpower to to check up on parties. I agree. Unless party is code word for you know something that gets out of hand, or, or code word for for drug den or something like that. Yep. So Georgia mayors call for stricter gun control measures. Yeah. So just last good luck. I uh, know. Good luck, right? But. You know, last week, a group of 46 Georgia mayors uh, penned a plea. They called it a plea, not a letter, to Governor Brian Kemp and the General Assembly for new gun safety measures in the state. Uh, this includes people from all the way from like Atlanta to the mayor of Savannah. I know that's just shocking that the mayor of Savannah would call for more gun control all the way up to North Georgia. And really what they're asking for, everybody's saying, well, what gun control measures are they asking for? They're asking for background checks for all firearms or transfer or firearm purchases or transfers. So they're asking for private party background checks, I assume, Dave, because I've never bought a gun from a store in Georgia that didn't do a background check on me. So they want private party uh, background checks. They, do you have a concealed weapons permit? They want requirements for safe storage of guns. I don't know how they, we've talked about this before. So they want you to store your gun safely in your house. And there's no way to actually check on that, I guess, unless a crime is committed. It's, it's well, it's not check on it. So if, if you're broken into and you say, well, what else do they get? Well, they got a, uh, yep, and then you're in trouble. 92 FS. Right. Yeah. From where he broke, they broke into your safe. No, it was on my nightstand. Yep. So now you're, you're the victim and you're going to and jail. And you're going to jail. They want to focus on high-capacity weapons, and they want a new process to identify people who should not have access to guns. I don't know what that means, uh, should not have access to guns, and a new process to identify those people. I thought we identified people nowadays that should not have access, but anyway, all this stuff is dead on arrival. I just thought it was interesting how they're coming out and calling for this before the General Assembly meets next year. I'm sure Democrats will... Introduce calling for yeah. it before the municipal elections coming up. That's it too. Yep. Yeah, because we municipal elections are, are in November. In November, and that's why they're calling for it. Look, tough on tough on uh, gun yeah, control I measures. Mean, I, I know there's a cynical way of looking at anything a politician does. <laughs> I'll find it. You almost have to. But but yeah, this, if they drop this in January, it would actually make sense because that's when that's when uh, the legislature is going back in a session. Uh. Uh-uh. They're doing it now because qualifying just ended yep. for most municipal elections. Jackasses. <laughs> especially especially the, sec- the jackass down in Savannah. I second that. Yeah, Van Johnson's an idiot down in Savannah. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company, which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. All right. I picked the mule this week. <laughs> Tell me about and it. And honestly, every, every time this guy makes the news, it's Keith Olbermann. Ugh. Uh, former ESPN, former MSNBC. Uh, Current jackass. Oh, he's a jackass. <laughs> so he goes after Riley Gaines and says that she was not a good swimmer. That's why she lost. Not that she was uh, swimming against a six foot, six foot four man, 
but that she sucked at swimming. Yeah, and and she tied him. And she tied him. So and, and her problem is she sucks at swimming, not that a six four six foot four man beat her. Gotcha. And that was and that wasn't even the point of her of her testimony to Congress. No, it wasn't. That was that was about having to go into the locker room and be forced to change in front of a man. Yep, and that was what she was that's what she's talking to Congress about is how her and her teammates would sit around in a female locker room and Leah Thomas would come in and change clothes and how uncomfortable it was seeing a naked man in a locker room with him. Not just that is I don't know I don't know uh, if you've ever gotten a swimsuit before but you know them drawers come off. <laughs> so it's not it's not like they could, they could just, you know, getting in a track uniform and at least leave underwear on or something like that. I mean, you can't can't exactly be bashful getting in and out of, uh, getting out, first of all, out of a wet bathing suit right. especially a one piece for for women. Um getting them out of that swimsuit or having to peel it off you and all that stuff. There's no dainty way of doing it. <laughs> I don't have swimsuits that I have to peel off of myself personally, but, but maybe is that what you're taking to Greece uh, next month is one of those little tiny swimsuits. I, speedo? Yeah. Speedo that you have to peel off. Actually, I used to, I used to wear speedos when I was a kid, but <laughs> it was the seventies. Okay. But not in no, a, I was more taking, I was more talking about take, taking off a woman's one piece. <laughs> Oh goodness! I wasn't talking about the ones that I was wearing either. But I mean, they're still sort of uh, they're uh, still uh, sort of tight. Yeah, even a wrestling uh, a wrestling singlet after after you've been sweating, it was, was hard to peel off. Those things are tiny too. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, he 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 went after, and then you know, and then the the wave of backlash because even even like lefties are like, whoa, <laughs> like you can't do that. Keith. A, a, a an older white male cannot go lash out at a at, at a a young female. Yep, you just can't. No, Keith. And I don't know how Keith many Oberman glasses of wine he's in, in. Yeah, I mean he steps in it all the time. I know Shaq slammed him a while back. He was uh, he called one of the LSU stars. Uh, he had some bad things to say about her. So. Yeah, he's always – yeah, I mean, it's like you can be provocative and you can say crazy stuff, but he says, like, dumb stuff. It's not even provocative, right? I, I, the reaction he's drawing is everybody's coming at him across the board. I don't think anybody supported what he said. Well, they're, yeah, there they're were like 10 trans people who, who agree with him, and none of them were sticking their head up like, ah, uh, ah, uh, we're just sticking our- <laughs> right, we're just yeah, gonna lay. Trans, trans activists are like, "Hey, Keith, yeah, we're gonna lay stop low. helping. Yeah, we're gonna lay low. We're gonna lay low at the moment. Yeah. Yep. So we got a Hurricane Adelia update now. Now that now that it's gone to sea, yeah, it's off the coast of Charleston now. I've gone out towards Bermuda at this point. Now, Dave, was this the hurricane or tropical storm that actually started? in the Pacific and cut across Latin America and then formed back in the Gulf. That's, that's where this one came from, right? I I reckon. I don't yeah, know. I think that's what happened to this one is it cut across and then it, and then it came up almost directly North. So it didn't come. This was not one of the tropical storms that came from Africa that way. This one came more directly North up through the, uh, up through the Gulf. The, the damn, the Chinese, the Chinese are changing the weather. <laughs> now this one it made landfall. At, what is that area? Stenahatchee is the little town that it made landfall. Stenahatchee, yep. uh, uh, Cedar Key, 
Which is not a very um, populated area of Florida. So I know those people. A, a big vacation spot, yeah. uh, especially if people who like to go uh, fishing. Uh, well, f- fishing to a certain t- extent, but but in the in the season, it's it's scalloping. Yeah, scalloping. Is gotcha. is uh, snorkel make, and make sure your back is turns you know lobster red before you get done. Yep. But yeah, snorkel around and pick up scallops. Water's shallow, I guess, out in the, out in the Gulf. Yep. That part shallow and flat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the storm had originally before it hit. I like I went to bed uh, before the storm hit. It was a Category Three. It got up to a four, and then it back to a three when it came on the shore. And then it comes on the shore, and it went quickly up through South Georgia, through Charleston. So far, I've read that only there was only one death in Georgia so far. A tree fell on a guy and killed him. And there's only been one death in Florida, and that was actually from a traffic accident. So it wasn't, it's sort of associated with the hurricane that he was driving out, you know, and, and, and had a traffic accident because of the weather. Uh, but I've been surprised that a Category 3 could hit, and it almost was a, I hate to say this, I know it sounds, but it's almost a non-event. It had uh, tons of cleanup. I mean, Florida's going to have tons of cleanup. South Georgia's got tons of cleanup. But this thing from Governor Kemp and Governor DeSantis, uh, even the governor of South Carolina, they did a great job of pulling the troops together, rallying support, and letting everybody know what was going on. I thought they all did an extremely effective job. Yeah, well, you know, you you, you can tell how bad a storm can be by how the governor's dressed. Mm-hmm. You know, jacket and tie on, no big deal. <laughs> tie off, okay, we're looking at a tropical storm. Yep. Jacket and tie off. Okay, rolled sleeves, and then when he comes on with the official gov- governor pullover windbreaker jacket—that's what I saw this week. Yeah, that's that's when you know it's a cat four or better. Yep, because he's he's gone he's gone full uh, business casual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I mean, I thought DeSantis did a good job leading up to it. There were I saw him in a press conference the other day. They were starting to ask him some crazy questions, and he just cut them off right away. And he said, "I'm just focused on the hurricane and getting the." getting everybody prepared for it and letting everybody know what's going on. You know, the only critique I saw, and I I told you this earlier, is they were interviewing some immigrants down in that area. And they said, how are we going to rebuild our homes now that the governor has basically told us that immigrants are not welcome in Florida. So that, you know, that's all they could come up with, right? Is the government, uh, DeSantis's policy on immigrants and how are they going to rebuild at this point? But Well, even what I, what I saw of Biden last week, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he, yep, exactly. He's like, no, this is about helping people, not, not about politics. And and he and he and he shirked off the, any questions. Well, I think, I think partially because he respects DeSantis and and hate if, if it were Trump, if it were Governor Trump down there, like let him figure it out himself. Yeah, and also I also think the way that the White House handled the fires out in Hawaii and how poorly that was managed. I think Biden just jumped on this hurricane and said, I'm going to do all I can to to help and look like we're there from day one. When, you know, he didn't go to Hawaii until 11 or 12 days after the, the fires. You know, I think at that point he just had to jump in and look like he was helping as much as possible. Yeah, you know, he's still telling the 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 false lightning strike story. Yes, yep. Over and over. No one has pulled him aside and said, Stop hey, telling President, that. Stop. Stop. It didn't almost burn down. Uh, it, 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 
he he once said it burned my house burned down with my wife in it and his wife standing next to him yep <sighs> that goes back to that cognitive test <laughs> exactly so we got a bumpy ride on delta from uh i think it's milan 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 italy coming milan down to, to atlanta, atlanta right yeah i saw this and i had to send this article to my wife because she always has a hard time flying but literally this flight was coming in this was the now i've been on a plane with turbulence before but they said that uh in this case, 12 people sustained serious head injuries, including several flight attendants. They said when they got into this turbulence, the flight attendants actually left the floor and hit the ceiling. That's how much the plane dropped in the middle of the flight. So there were two unsecured attendants, I guess, walking down the, you know, the breezeway or the aisle, and they literally went straight up and hit the ceiling. I can't imagine what that was like. So the flight landed. Uh, had emergency landing in, a, in Atlanta. And then these people on the plane had to sit there for a couple hours while uh, the emergency personnel and the people that were injured were treated. Uh, that wouldn't have been a lot of fun sitting on a plane for additional two hours, but boy. If, yeah. But when, but when you're, when you're trying to step over someone, someone getting bleeding uh, on the first on the, aid and said, Hey, I've got a connection. <laughs> yeah. But I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine being on a plane where, that many people. And there's I can't find any video coverage. So most of the time on flights like this that have severe turbulence, there'll be people filming or, you know, there'll be some TikToks out there, YouTube videos. I've seen nothing, which tells me that they were scared to death. They didn't even want to get their phone out and film this, that the turbulence was that bad. Uh, or it was, it, <laughs> or it was it so, so unexpected. Fast. Yep, it could have happened that fast. And I was wondering, this, now, this was the same time that hurt something else at you. How, how would you have been, how would you have liked to be sitting in the lav? <laughs> oh, God. And ha- have it, ha- you know, be be mid-action and have it throw you, <laughs> smack you against the ceiling and back down on the toilet. I didn't know I didn't know where we were going there, but yeah, that wouldn't be a lot of fun to be in a lav. I, maybe if you, were, if, if you weren't alone, I mean, <laughs> but, <laughs> but. Yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it could always be worse. It definitely could be. But I'm, I'm glad that you know everybody survived. I, mean, I know the the flight attendants. You know, when you're dealing with head injuries, just like we're talking about McConnell, uh, concussions are no joke, and you can you can't predict how long it's going to take it takes someone to heal from a, from a concussion. Yep, right. Yeah, you know, the the biggest thing I could prescribe for anybody who's concussed is. Stay, stay in a mostly dark room and rest. Mm-hmm. Try to, you know, do as little reading as possible. Watch little TV as possible. So no bright lights is what you're saying. Yeah, just, 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 just rest. Yep. Just, just uh, if, if you're if you're gonna watch something, watch something brainless. Yep, makes sense. You know, something like that. I think that maybe you know, going back to Mitch McConnell may have been what what a. But the problem is, is that, that he may have pushed coming back. Yep, could have been. But as far as this goes, I, well, it still doesn't make me afraid to fly. No, not at all. Uh, it's still I, safer than driving. They're a lot safer. Yeah, I, I still, yeah, if your car drops five feet, you just don't smack the ceiling and, and walk away <laughs> with head injury. Uh, I, I still don't have a problem getting up and going to the lab or, you know, on, on longer flights. Uh, I'll, you know, when meal service is done, all that stuff, get up and just take a lap around the plane just to keep from getting uh, deep vein thrombosis. Yep. 
something like that. But Kenny, you have any closing thoughts? Oh, well, as the show drops, it's Labor Day. So I just wish everybody a happy Labor Day out there. And I hope most people have Monday off. I had the uh, one other closing thought. I had a new Chick-fil-A sandwich this week with the pimento cheese and honey on it. That was an interesting sandwich. Uh, and look, go dogs. I'm sure they're going to beat up on their first opponent, probably 62 to nothing. So it's going to be a fun college football weekend. And we, I mean, look, everything in Georgia is fun now. We got college football starting. The Braves are playing incredible. We got a holiday Monday. What could be better at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, thirty home runs and, and sixty stolen bases. The 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 Braves are, have the most home runs in the season. They've outscored their opponents by the most in the season. Yeah, it's just amazing. But come come October, none of that matters. Nope. Because you, uh, the fans in Atlanta have been on this ride before, where everything's great, 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 and then what the hell happened? I know, losing the first round. Not this year. Going to the World Series and winning. You have to get by them Dodgers again. Yep. All right. So if you like what you heard, please like and share us on the socials. Uh, you can you can send us directly from whatever whatever app you used to your friends. Say, hey, check these idiots out. So happy Labor Day, communist holiday. Big thanks to Eric Cumby, our editor. Ken Poland, my partner in this endeavor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon